0: Welcome to the latest episode of Schnepp's Connects. The Center for Jewish History in New York City illuminates history, culture, and heritage. The center provides a collaborative home for five partner organizations, the American Jewish History Society, American Sephardi Federation, Leo Bach Institute, Yeshiva University Museum, and YIVO Institute for Jewish Research. The partners archives compromise the world's largest and most comprehensive archive of the modern Jewish experience, outside of Israel. The collection spanned 5,000 years with more than five miles of archival documents in dozens of languages and alphabetic systems, more than 500,000 volumes, as well as thousands of artworks, textiles, ritual objects, recordings, films, and photographs. The Center is a Smithsonian affiliate and is a partner of the Google Cultural Institute. I have with us Professor Gabrielle Rosenfeld, who's president of the Center for Jewish History, and he's the center's voice on issues of Jewish historical relevance in the contemporary world. He's a prolific writer for academic and public audiences and has published many essays in newspapers and journals, such as the Washington Post, The Atlantic, The Forward, and the Jewish Review of Books. Professor Rosenfeld is skilled in bringing scholarly insight Mm -hmm. to bear on topics of present day importance, from the politics of Holocaust memory to contemporary anti-Semitism, A specialist in the history of Nazi Germany, Holocaust studies, memory studies, and counterfactual history, Professor Rosenfeld is the author or editor of eight books with his latest volume, Fascism in America, Past and Present, to appear with Cambridge University Press in August, 2023. So with that, Dr. Rosenfeld, it's great to have you here and great to, to hear all about you and obviously everything that you're doing and everything affiliated with the Institute.
1: Great to be with you. Thanks for having me.
0: So I would really love for you just to tell me a little bit about your career and really, you know, your role at the Center for Jewish History.
1: Sure. So I grew up in a Jewish studies family, you might say. It was kind of the family business and so far as my father alvin rosenfeld uh, founded the jewish studies program at indiana university in the early 1970s
0: where i went to college
1: ah marvelous what years were you there
0: i can't tell man that's too long ago no i <laughs> i graduated
1: in thousand it all depends on whether you were there for the good basketball years or the bad basketball years
0: no, i was years you're right i mean indiana is all about its basketball
1: yeah and jewish studies of course because uh While the town only has several hundred Jewish families, the program there was always one of the largest between the two coasts. And so I was privileged to be able to grow up with very uh, illustrious um, visiting speakers at the dinner table like Elie Wiesel and Primo Levi. And that made a big impression on me. Uh, And so when I went off to college, I did a double major in history and Judaic studies. I did the same thing for my PhD at UCLA with a field in Jewish studies, uh, Jewish history. And it's always been a part of my scholarly research profile, so that many of the books that I've written, um, whether the book I published in 2011, which was a finalist for the National Jewish Book Award in the category of architecture, that was a book that dealt with Holocaust um, memory and its impact on post-war Jewish architecture. That was certainly one of the things that I devoted a lot of attention to, or the book that I published on the what-ifs, the counterfactual possibilities of modern Jewish history. It's always been a field I've uh, been immersed in, even though most of my scholarship deals with the history of Germany, specifically Nazi Germany. You can't obviously separate the Jewish experience from that. So I've been in this field for many, many years, and I'm thrilled to be at the center.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I went to Indiana University and I had no idea about the the Jewish study program there.
1: Yeah, I think there's about 2000 Jewish undergrads on Indiana University's campus which far outnumbers the number of Jewish faculty. But the campus, as you might know, has gotten increasingly popular among East Coast kids, especially Jewish kids. So it's, you know, it's moving in that direction.
0: Talk to me how you got involved with the center specifically.
1: So I've always been involved, as I mentioned, in Jewish academic affairs. And I, in fact, did a lot of my research for my Jewish architecture book, which was called Building After Auschwitz. Uh, at the center. So I was really familiar with the immense archival holdings there. Also, I was a guest speaker uh, for a number of programs, mostly through the Leo Beck Institute in my years at Fairfield University, where I'm currently on leave to serve as president of the center. So I had connections there. And when the opening popped up last summer, I wasn't prepared necessarily to apply, uh, but realized it was a great opportunity And before long, the fact that I was going to be on sabbatical anyway, made it convenient to entertain it as a possibility. And then one thing led to another. And on September 1st of last summer, I started up.
0: That's terrific. So, I mean, I'm Jewish. My heritage is important to me. You know, I would say probably half of my uh, family came from Europe to escape Nazi Germany. They were in, I guess, what is modern day Ukraine. And certainly, I think it's critical that people recognize what happened in Nazi Germany and not forget that or not deal with, you know, falsehoods that are that are easily spread now, particularly with social media. And certainly I'm wary and, you know, I would say nervous about the rise in anti-Semitism recently, particularly in the United States. But talk to me about I mean, is that the core of what you're doing in terms of informing people? Or, you know, really, what do you see as the core work of the center?
1: Sure. So the center, it might be hard for outsiders to grasp its function and purpose initially because there's really several different pillars that uh, support the larger edifice that we call the Center for Jewish History. As you mentioned at the outset, there are five core partners. And collectively, their holdings, uh, their archival holdings that date back all the way to the Middle Ages, all the way up to the 20th, 21st century, they span between five and six linear miles worth of material. So it's the largest archive outside of Israel. And in that sense, like the National Archives in Washington, D.C., or the Smithsonian Institution, it's it's a repository of treasures. And so first and foremost, the center was established to be a place where scholars, high-level scholars or Ph.D. students... Where even people off the street could come and do research at the highest level, whether it's in theoretical or academic field, or whether it's about their own personal family genealogical history. And they can access those treasures that were, that have been preserved, many of which, by the way, came from war-torn Europe in the 20th century, the materials from YIVO and Leo Beck, uh, among others were rescued in very uh, difficult circumstances. So, you know, the Jewish people's archival heritage is based in this center, and that's an enormous achievement in and of itself. I would say, however, though, that while we are um, a place where high-level scholars can conduct research, we're also trying to become more and more public-facing in the sense of organizing programs that are appealing to the general public. Certainly, Mm -hmm. the five partners have been doing that for years, and we've offered on a yearly basis hundreds and hundreds of lectures and concerts and symposia and film screenings so that people can become aware of the treasures that in fact are at the center. My own task, I suppose, among you know, those usual type of things like fundraising and administrative streamlining and so forth uh, is to make sure that the center itself, not just uh, the five individual partners, but that the center itself as a collective gets its reputation better known on the New York Jewish cultural landscape.
0: You know, I guess one important question that I didn't bring up in the introduction, or we haven't addressed yet, is where is the center?
1: Right off Union Square, on uh, Fifth Avenue and Sixteenth Street. So if you just go just west of Fifth Avenue, between Fifth and Sixth, you'll see a very stately neoclassical edifice, which has some banners announcing the Center for Jewish History. And what you'll actually see if you enter uh, into the building, which you don't need an appointment to enter, by the way, is a whole assembly of other buildings that stretch all the way back to 17th Street, including six to seven galleries with uh, rotating exhibitions, a great hall where there are all kinds of public events, a massive auditorium seating 250 people, not to mention an enormous reading room, and then 12 floors of stacks full of the treasures of things like Theodore Herzl's diary, Hank Greenberg's bat from the 1940s.
0: That's awesome. So is it a ticket to get in, or is it an appointment, or can the public just come in?
1: Yeah, public can just come in. And if you wanted to use the archives, it does help to make uh, an appointment in advance. You can easily do that over email. But the whole place is open to the public. We welcome visitors with our curb appeal. And if I have my druthers in the coming weeks and months, we're going to be reinstituting a cafe and gift shop and uh, making other opportunities available for interested New Yorkers.
0: That's terrific. I know I mentioned in the introduction as well that the center is a Smithsonian affiliate and a partner of the Google Cultural Institute. Is there anything that you can share in terms of those relationships or what that means? I mean,
1: I would just say more broadly that we've been very, very tightly connected as an institution to the other major institutions in the New York Jewish world, whether the Museum of Jewish Heritage or the Jewish Museum, or even non-Jewish institutes like the Museum of Chinese in America and beyond. You know, because we are many things, a research institute, a museum, a public programming place, uh, we have relationships with institutions on both coasts and elsewhere throughout the country. So we've hardly wanted to be merely an isolated place in the metro area. We've, We've definitely wanted to have links with other institutions, and I'll maybe just highlight at this point um, the fact that our upcoming um, symposium on April 30th on the very important topic of Zionism and American Jews is uh, co-sponsored by the National Library of Israel, which is, I guess, our counterpart on the global Jewish scene in the sense that they are the largest library and archive uh, of Jewish materials in the world, based in, of course, Jerusalem.
0: You know, there's been a lot of news about how people's, their families, I guess, properties are still being returned to them after so many years ago, Nazi Germany taking things and and people are fighting to still get some of that brought back to them. I'm curious, have people done any research through any of the materials that you have to to be able to track things that have happened historically?
1: Absolutely. In fact, we're uh, processing huge collections at the moment that were organized by American Jewish relief organizations that were trying to help German Jewish refugees, after the war, you know, those negotiations date back to the early 1950s between Jewish groups and the Federal Republic of Germany. But that's hardly the only thing that people would use the archival resources of the center's partners for. Um, there's all kinds of things, whether looking into the 19th century of Jewish organizational life, whether like, a you know, Hadassah or whether looking into the private papers of uh, major Jewish cultural and political figures who have their papers at the center, really the sky's the limit in terms of what people can research depending on their own interests.
0: Yeah, no, that's terrific that you're making that available and that, you know, people have access to it in in one place. Talk a little bit about, I mean, I brought up what, you know, I felt about, you know, the rise in anti-Semitism here in the U.S. and even abroad. Is there a role that you feel that the center plays in terms of informing people or, Looking at things historically from Jewish life and culture that you feel are making an impact, or at least, you know, making people more informed?
1: Sure. So we're we're part of that discussion. I mean, obviously, if you look at the Jewish institutional response to anti-Semitism, there's at the largest level the state of Israel and its own public statements on global anti-Semitism. And then there's, of course, American and Jewish institutions like the Anti-Defamation League, which has its own public policy approach, but from a Scholarly historical perspective, I think what the center can contribute is a historical perspective on the ways in which Jews have responded to anti Semitism in the past. So, just to give uh, one concrete example, um, on October 15th, we're going to be holding yet another major marquee symposium entitled Fighting Fascism uh, Jewish Responses from the 1930s to the Present, which asks the question how have Jews historically, certainly in the 20th century leading up to the present, how have they responded? to Jew hatred, whether in Europe or the United States? What have the most effective strategies been? What have been dead ends? And what can we learn from those experiences for the present day, whereas you just mentioned, we are you know seeing the uh, ugly face of anti-Semitism rear its head, and we have to be on our toes to figure out the best uh, way to respond.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. I'm really happy to hear that. What, what would you say is like the crown jewel in your archives from your perspective? I know you mentioned a couple of really important things. But is there any other things that you kind of are proud to have in the archive?
1: Well, all I would say is that I've been really thrilled to have some of the lead archivists for the American Jewish Historical Society or Leo Beck or Evo uh, take me and some of my administrative partners through their holdings, uh, whether on the seventh floor of the stacks, the 11th floor of the stacks, wherever, uh, and to see such things like, as I mentioned, Theodore Herzl's diary or the rough draft of Emma Goldman's, sorry, Emma Lazarus's poem, The New Colossus, or for that matter, um, seeing Martin Luther's, an original 16th century pamphlet of Martin Luther uh, on the Jews and their lies, you know, depending on. Again, I would just stress, depending on one's personal preferences, there are innumerable treasures that are dated far back to the Middle Ages or are more recent in vintage. And while those aren't routinely displayed, say, like the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence would be displayed in Washington, D.C., those are things that one can request to see. And um, people do it all the time.
0: Talk about what the center is doing to commemorate the 75th anniversary of the creation of Israel, because I'm sure a lot of people would have interest in that.
1: Yeah, so we're, we're already very excited that we've had tremendous popular interest in this event. Tickets are going fast, so if you are contemplating attending, it's going to be an all-day symposium on April 30th, Sunday morning to Sunday evening, with multiple panels featuring an array of really top-notch American and Israeli historians, former Knesset members, journalists, and so forth, talking about the burning issues of the day, Uh, but from a perspective of how specifically American Jews responded to the uh, rise of Zionism in the late 19th century and how that relationship between American Jews and the Zionist movement has unfolded up to the present day. The present day uh, political turmoil in Israel obviously makes this especially timely. The ongoing Arab-Israeli conflict, I can certainly say the same thing about that. But suffice it to say that Uh, the scholars we're going to be having in conversation with one another. And I should mention, by the way, that the way we organize these symposies is very much in a conversational fashion. So we're not, as a university might or as a university conference might, be featuring formal papers delivered in 20 or 25-minute increments, but we're having panelists in conversation with one another and moderators uh, on our big auditorium stage um, and engaging in conversation with the audience about, say, Things like, what is Zionism? How should one understand it? And how have definitions of what it means changed over time? Or to cite a different example, how should we understand the fact that many American Jews in the 19, teens, 20s, and 30s were initially skeptical about Zionism or even hostile to it? Whereas in the years after 1948, they became increasingly enthusiastic. And how can we assess how those same American Jews uh, view Zionism today at a time of great difficulty for, for Israel?
0: So it sounds like you host a lot of events and bring a lot of people together. I assume these are all on your website. Like, how could people find out about the different events that you have coming up or more about the center?
1: Sure. So just to be precise, the Center for Jewish History's website offers a schedule of weekly and monthly events um, sponsored by all five of our partners. My own agenda has been in recent months to try and also create opportunities for all five partners to come together in larger umbrella events, such as the symposia that we are um, debuting on April 30th and October 15th, which will be part of our new Jewish Public History Forum, which once again tries to bring multiple experts together to the center to weigh in on topics of major historical relevance, whether it's the Jewish response to fascism, the question of Zionism, or as we'll be doing in the year 2024, the Jewish response to immigration and Jewish attitudes towards democracy.
0: And what was your website?
1: CJH.org.
0: CJH.org. You got a good domain. Yeah, I don't know if we had
1: to squat on that for a while. or. All right, well, that's good. I snapped, that's snapped good. it up right away, but um, there it
0: is the easier it is to communicate, the easier for people to remember. I love it. Well, you know, this is coming on. What, what have you been with the center now? It's it's almost what eight months. Yep. So talk to me, maybe in closing, I would love to hear from you, you know, A, what the center means to you, B, you know, what have you accomplished in those eight months? And And maybe lastly, you know, really, what are some goals that you have over the next, you know, months and years as the leader?
1: Sure. So, I mean, as I've been learning on the job uh, at a very rapid clip since last summer, one of the things I've recognized is that we are an institution that is immensely respected by academics, but definitely we would love to be more recognized by the general public. So while we're a mecca for scholarship, uh, we'd like to be competing with the 92nd Street Streetwide, the Museum of Jewish Heritage, the Stryker Center, Temple Emanuel. And, and here, you know, that makes the obvious point that New York City has an embarrassment of riches with respect to Jewish cultural opportunities and opportunities for learning. Um, so I have no illusions that we're going to eliminate the competition or would I ever want to do that. In fact, what I've been doing as part of my initial tenure is to create opportunities for conversation with some of my peers at other Jewish institutions. And uh, I'll be making appearances an appearance actually at the Stryker Center on April 20th when they're holding a major film screening and discussion about a new film on Adolf Eichmann. The devil's confession. And so the more I'm out and about and mixing it up on this uh, in this cultural landscape, the more I think it can only be helpful for creating uh, partnerships that will help us move forward in the future. Uh, at the same time, we will be pursuing, or actually we'll be celebrating in two years, our 25th anniversary. And so it represents an amazing opportunity for people in the New York metro area who are interested in Jewish history, to help us build towards that next phase of our development. So, you know, we were established in the year 2000, built at over the cost of $100 million, an amazing facility, paid off the mortgage less than a decade later. And now we're poised to start further developing our potential to be a research institute, a top flight public history forum, a place for Jewish young people to congregate and convene. And the more that we can take advantage of our prime location just off Union Square and get people to come downtown a little bit, That would be wonderful from my perspective.
0: Well, Dr. Rosenfeld, I want to thank you for being on the podcast and really sharing everything that the center has to offer. And I hope we can be of help uh, communicating that.
1: Wonderful. I'm happy for everyone to listen to this conversation and uh, come down to the center.
0: Thanks again. Make sure to subscribe to Schneps Connects wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com.